Ayo Mbuki, great to have you here. Yeah. Pastors Ayo Mbuki. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful family. It's great to see you. Great to see you doing well. And uh, just love you guys. Um, thank you for being here. Thank you for making the effort to, to be here. Um, there's another couple here from Singapore. Where are you? I see. Yes, why don't you stand up, please? This beautiful couple. Just, 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 remain, just remain standing. I just want to honor you this morning. You, you travel three hours, three to four hours to come to church. They, they travel up from Wellington to come here to church. And they are here early. Talk about hunger. I, I specifically want to, I, I want to acknowledge your hunger today, but I um, also want to honor you for the church in which you come from as well, which is City Harvest Church. Kate and I got engaged in that church, and it's been a long-standing connection with us, and our lives have been transformed by your home church, and uh, which you're a part of, which you're sent from. And uh, so, uh, although you're not there now, you st- it's still in your bones, it's still in your blood. And today I just want to thank you and honour you for your, uh, uh, I mean the church is made up of individuals like you, and, uh, and what you've done to bring the gospel and change Asia is just absolutely phenomenal. So welcome, welcome here, welcome to this church, and I pray that God will use you in this nation as well. Go and let's put it together for them. specifically want to honour somebody else this morning as well, and uh, Tutai, where are you? Tutai. Tutai, where are you? Come. Come, Tutai. Come on. Come on. Out of your seat. Come. I know, a little bit. A little bit crazier. <laughs> but um, today I really want to honour you. Many of you would have recognised, would recognise Dutati from the car park. <laughs> He's one of the most friendliest men that you'll ever meet. And while you're sitting in here and being blessed, he's out there guarding your car and making you feel welcome. And uh, one of the things about Tutati is this, that he is so passionate about, about building the house that even when he suffered a heart attack, he still could not wait to get back to the house of the Lord to, uh, to serve you, to bless you. And... Um, <laughs> You've, you've just had a, an amazing journey, and, and, uh, but now your assignment has changed, and uh, your wife has, uh, needs your assistance now, and uh, no longer you can, you can help. But I just want to say thank you so much, your, your diligence to serve the house, the fact that even at hospital having a heart attack, some people have a runny nose and they can't make it, you know? You, <laughs> you, had, a, you had a heart attack, you had, a, you had an attack, an assault against your heart, but you, you still could not wait to come back passionately and serve. And I just want to honor you for your diligence and honor you for your character. I also want to just release you now from uh, this assignment and to your next assignment, which is to care for your wife. And. Uh, Here's just a small token of our gratitude, just to say thank you so much. We love you so very much. (laughs) We love you. (laughs) What a man. (laughs) 
just came and served, you know, it's just phenomenal. And uh, you'd serve after having a heart attack. Some people, some people need to learn to serve. Some people are not doing anything. You're not serving anyone apart from yourself. Uh, what does it take you to stop serving? A runny nose or something like that? I mean, come on, be like Tutei. He's a great man. Uh, receive it as an encouragement, but also as a challenge to, to give yourself, to do something outside your own little circle. And uh, we love you, Tutei. Um, how many people came to Apostle Mike's seminar yesterday? Absolutely outstanding. And uh, on, on Sonship, it was just brilliant and absolutely life transforming. And uh, I just took so many notes. And I was kind of wondering what to, um, what to bring this morning because that's a tough act to follow. <laughs> uh, but, I, but I do have something. And I, I've actually had it on my heart for a little bit. And, uh, but I, I kind of want to pivot a little bit this morning as well because... Um, I want to kind of put it into a little, I want to open it up into a bit more context for you. I want to really bring it home. If you weren't here, I'll just, I am actually just going to encapsulate it into one point for you today, um, which will help you. But look, I had a whole message kind of prepared on it this morning, but um, I felt I needed to just turn a little bit. And let me, and let me explain why. Can I just, can I put the, can you guys put that the thing up on the screen? This is on this morning's news. And uh, as I was getting ready for, the, for church this morning, uh, one of my pastor friends, I've got a whole bunch of pastor friends, and, the, and a text came out and showing us this. New Zealand ranked the most Islamic country in the world in annual index. It's interesting, I find it interesting that um, this kind of a statement would also come on the day after the Apostle Mike brings a seminar on sonship. The big question is this. What will we do? You may see it as just an article, but for me, it absolutely moved me today. Absolutely moved me. Because sometimes we get so caught up in our own little world. We, so for, for many I think for many of us, it's a wake-up call to you and I as the Church of Jesus Christ across the nation. That, and for some people, you know, we can bag the government all we like about bringing these, allowing this to happen. But let me tell you a little bit about what that's kind of like. It's kind of bagging the government about being the cause of all this. It's kind of like giving a sharp knife to a baby or a blind man and telling them it's an ice cream and then expecting them not to cut itself. People can't see. I mean, behind, and I can tell you right now, one day if the threat is that real that I myself can be arrested, will be in danger of being arrested for speaking like I am today. But let me assure you, the whole thing about the Sonship Seminar was not just that you could have good information to write down. My, my urge today is that we could see that this here would just be a wake-up call. So how do we connect the two? How do we connect the two? I want to tell you right now, there's a, uh, our nation is in a, is in a contention. We, we, we know that. But our nation is, in a, is in, a, in a contention right now. 
It's for the souls and the future of our nation. Your kids, your grandkids will face challenges as a result of these decisions today. And it's very, very easy to look at it from a distance. Kate and I had a, had a, had a real baptism by fire. Kate and I, we, in uh, about 10 years ago, 2000 and 2011, we went to Pakistan. Many people here, there are people here today, you have, you have come from an Islamic country. Let me assure you this, the mandate of Islam is to come and to infiltrate every aspect of society. Even right now in the education system, they are wanting to bring Islamic educations into your kids. They want to teach your kids that, not just about sexuality, but they want to teach your kids about Islam. And behind, like I preached the other Sunday, behind every institution, behind every system in the world, there is a doctrine and there is a spirit. It's important that our eyes become open, that, that our vision becomes a little bit wider than just becoming, getting X, Y, Z keys to our prosperity in life and that life will just go well for us. Yes. Don't be like one of the kings of the Bible and say, well, as long as it works out for me in my time, it's just fine. I don't care about anything beyond that. It's up to them. Absolutely. What a wicked way to live. Your kids, our kids, my kids are right now being taught Marxism. They're being taught, uh, they'll be shown demonstrated pornography. Now they'll be taught uh, Islam in our schools. Let me tell you, behind that, there is a spirit that operates. And unless you have lived in that country, unless you have lived under that regime, you will not know what it's like. Let me tell you. It's vividly in my imagination of one of my friends being assassinated in his car because of a standing for faith. Let me assure you, the spirit behind this seeks to kill you and destroy you and your children. I can guarantee there'll be an agenda behind all this to make sure that Islamic law or Sharia law comes and it becomes part of law. In which case, if you're a liberal, you're not going to like that. It's, it's amazing how the two can even be friends. It's kind of like... But Kate and I, when we went to Pakistan, one of the, one of the first, one of the, some significant things happened. Let me explain, and I'll, I'll open up. Why it's connected to sonship. Before we got there, there was a, a governor. Uh, he was assassinated because of, he, he made a stand against the agenda that these Toronto people want to bring in. Let me, let me assure you, I don't hate Muslims. One of my friends is the Grand Imam of Pakistan. I don't hate Muslims, but I can see the spirit. There's a spirit and there's a doctrine behind all that that, um, that damages people's lives. And you'll see, let me explain. So the governor was assassinated. He was assassinated by his own bodyguards. So I, Kate and I entered into Pakistan just after that happened. A month after that happened, there was a friend of ours there, he was a Catholic. And uh, his name is Shabazz Bhatti. He, he made a stand for it. He made a stand for Christianity. He made a stand for, uh, for his faith. And I, you can see him online. You can see the statements, his, his, his video clips online. He looks into the camera and see, he says these words. He said, I know what Jesus Christ did for me on the cross, how he laid down his life so that I can have freedom. He said, I, under threat of all sorts of torture, he said, I myself am willing to lay down my life because Jesus did that for me. I am willing to lay down my life so that people can have freedom. In doing so, he was challenging one of these laws that Islam is trying to bring in, that has, that kept people under huge oppression in that nation. 
A few weeks later, he was machine gunned out in his car, blamed on Taliban, but it was actually the government behind that. I went to this funeral. There's about uh, 50 or 1,000 people at the funeral, 200 soldiers. There was snipers on the roof. I can tell you that sort of stuff gets etched into your memory. And you want to open up your arms? Don't put it on government. The, the, the issue will be this. What will the sons of God do? Where will the sons be? Some people can't come to church because they don't feel like it, because the farmer's market's on. Friends, it's not just about coming to church. It's about coming to encounter the Most High God. It's about coming to have our life transformed. It's about coming because I'm part of a power. I'm connected by adoption. I'm connected to a power that's far greater than that. The question is, will I really lay a hold of it? Here's something crazy. I mean, you look at the, you know, look, you look at the abortion laws that have come through, right? You know why I believe why many of them are really there? Let me tell you. It's to cover something else. Let me explain to you. One of the things that Kate and I did when we were in uh, Pakistan, we put on a free medical camp. And uh, we had about, probably about uh, maybe 2,000 people come through in, half a, in about half a day to get medical treatment. One of the issues, one of the main issues, we had a specialized women's area. So for women that want to come and they, want to, they need help. You know what? Heaps of them came through. That was the most busiest department. And what had happened was this, because under that regime, under that regime of Islam, it's, it's, it's a spirit of control and manipulation that, that oppresses people. And what it does is this, it hides, it puts, abuse, it puts abuse undercover and it stops people from talking about it. And so what happens with all these women, most of the women that came forward, let me tell you this, let me, t- let me tell you this, most of the women that come forward had, had this, had, had internal issues. I'm not going to go into graphic details, but they had a, 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 a internal issues. Many of them had suffered abuse. Many of them had been physically and sexually abused. And the thing is about the whole, because of course abortions are law, illegal there, one of the, and neither can you bring it out to the truth. So what would happen was there was a whole bunch of self attempts at self-abortion, so you, which failed, and so you get a whole pile of people that are, a whole pile of women that are suffering like that. The point being is this, abortion's not the, certainly not the cure, the real issue behind all that is the abuse. And so this abortion law coming into New Zealand, it's an attempt to cover something else. Abuse. Because the reality is that it becomes like a, a cloud of secrecy that gets over the top because it will become culturally insensitive to actually tackle the real issue. Well, that's a little bit deep now. <laughs> but let me tell you this. What happens when the sons of God arise? I saw all that, but we also walked with what I believe was a mature son where in the midst of all that, thousands of people, here's, a, here's something crazy, man, something that'll never, ever get out of my head, was this. A whole bunch of, there was a bunch of, uh, bunch of Islamic, uh, they were, obviously they were Islamic, but they were government officials from Saudi Arabia. Government officials from Saudi Arabia. And every Wednesday night, we'd have this prayer, we'd have a healing meeting, right? Thousands come, thousands. There'll be people turning up in their 
burkas and even the grand imam would come along and, and listen and, and be touched and all that sort of stuff. But God touched a man and that man responded. His name is Pastor Anwar and certainly came at a massive cost. But I remember one of these meetings there, there was a, there was a bunch of these government officials from Saudi Arabia. They had traveled from Saudi Arabia to Pakistan specifically to this meeting because they had seen on TV and they had heard about the power of God moving. They had seen people falling down under the power of God, people being healed. They'd started to see with their own eyes. They'd started to see on the... They didn't know what they were seeing, but they could see, they, they heard and they saw on, on, online. So they made the decision to travel all the way from Saudi Arabia to this particular meeting there. Pastor Amar, they asked him, they said, ah, what's this falling down thing? You know, you pray and they all fall down in the healing. Talk to us about, what's this about anyway? Pastor Amar said this, go and stand over there. Go stand over there on the other side of the stage. Lift up your hands. Come, Holy Spirit. They all went down to the power of God like that. Every one of them. We are living in an age in New Zealand where we need solo mums to be able to walk in that kind of power. Single mums, young people. The woman that maybe has an unbelieving husband and battling by herself a little bit, but strong in faith. Power of God will heal you right now. People that have been abused and broken and but made a decision to come back to Christ and allow God to work in their heart, embarked on the journey of sonship. Business people, what the world needs right now is not just a business person coming to church and singing a few songs. What the world needs right now is a businessman or a businesswoman who embarks on a journey of sonship that grows and can say into the market and into the into the space of the market, power of God will be released. What this world needs is people like you. Not just to come here and listen to sermons and have a happy, clappy time and, you know, maybe I'll complain about this or that, whatever. <laughs> You're gonna get a hold of the presence. We're gonna get a hold of the presence of God upon our life. That's why the Bible says the whole earth groans for the sons of God to manifest. We are living in an hour where we're living in a day. I can assure you this, that this message is very, very applicable. The question is, will we respond? Will we respond? I love um, a couple of things I just want to bring out to you this morning. Pastor Mark was talking about sonship. The word son essentially means to be a builder. And uh, I've been doing a builder building myself recently. And uh, one of the things about being a builder, there's some... There's some uh, there's some fundamentals of building. If you know anything, if you build anything, one of the things you'll discover is this. Measure, measure again, and then measure again after that, and keep measuring. 
I've learned how to build, building according to a pattern. There's stages to a building. You, 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 unless you follow a pattern, you've got to, no one builds just random. I haven't built what I've built randomly. Just like, well, that looks, looks, looks all right there. I haven't started the painting before I even started the foundation. No, no, there's a process, and, and you, can't, you, you can't be living in the place, you can't be painting the walls until you've gone through a whole pile of sequences. So there's an order, there's a process, there's a journey for building. Interesting. <laughs> and those who are an experienced builder can see from a long way off when something is out of place, when something is not right. I was there, and my uncle played a surprise visit to me. A surprise visit. And he's kind of blind in one eye. And from a distance, a long distance, from about 100 meters, in the rain, in the fog. He looks out my kitchen window. That's out of place. How are you going to work that? He could see from that distance that it was about that far out of place. Half blind. From a distance, in the rain, in the fog. <laughs> Don't make any more surprise visits. <laughs> the master builders, they know when something's out of place. They know the sequence, they know the order and things. So I did a whole bunch of things. Some things were out of order, I had to go and re-undo them again. I learned a whole bunch of stuff about building. So one of the things about building is this. When Jesus came, he came as a son. He came as a master builder. He came and set a pattern for how to build. You can't build by opinion. <laughs> you have to build by square lines. You have to build by plan. You have to, if it's not, see, you look at even these tiles, which were laid here the other day. When I laid these tiles, I didn't just randomly put them down there. One of the first jobs I had to do was to prepare the ground. The second job we had to do was to get the things square. So one of the things about becoming a son, there are some things that we, there's a pattern there we have to build to. We don't build as sons by opinion. We build as sons by pattern. Jesus is the pattern for that. And interesting, he says in here, in, in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9 to 10, Jesus, after talking about, the, uh, about speaking of the kingdom, preaching of the kingdom, he starts to teach how to pray. And one of the first things he says is this, In this manner, therefore, pray, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is not just a prayer. This is not just a prayer to recite. This is a pattern. This is Jesus laying the square down for our life. This is Jesus laying a plumb down. This is Jesus setting the foundation, setting the line, measuring up for everything else to be built on. If it's out of square here, I can tell you now the whole house is going to be crooked. So what he's saying here is this is not just a prayer format, but an orientation. It is a life orientation for sonship. If we do not get this particular corner straight, everything else is going to be wrong. There's another word for it, but it's kind of, yeah, builders may use it, but it's crooked. <laughs> Thy will be done. And it's the, interesting, the, the, the capacity of our will. The capacity of our will. Our will or, or volition is, is the part of our life which really is the driving seat of our entire being. And that's why Jesus sets a model to say, your will be done. Because in that line alone, you will find the world's conflict. Conflict that you're facing in your own life, conflict that you're facing in marriage, conflict that you're facing everywhere. Conf 
this here is the cornerstone. This here is the square line. This here is the measurement in which we must build our journey on Christ on. Not thy will, but not my will, but thy will be done. It is the most profound statement that you could ever make in our life. Because our will is the most powerful, I believe, one of the most powerful faculties of our soul. It essentially sets the sequence or, or value, and it also sets the square of our life. And it sets the orientation of our life. We, have a, we live in a world where most people are orientated to, my will be done. And in that space, you'll find there's a massive amount of conflict. You'll find it in your home. You'll find it everywhere. There's always a, there's always a contention for whose will will be done. One of the things about our, our will is this, and it scans over all of our hopes, our desires, our assumptions, our beliefs, our memories, our pain, our sorrow. It scans the whole lot in just a moment. And then makes a decision. And it, it, it guides our decision-making. It is our decision-making faculty. So whenever you make a decision, it's never by random. One of the things you'll find is there are, there's an internal working that goes on inside of you. It just scans everything, your interests, your hates, your desires, your whole lot, just, just like that. It makes a judgment call. We're going this way. It's that part of our life that is the foundation for sonship. We cannot become a son of God. We cannot... You and I will not be able to combat what these challenges bring into the world today if we're still orientated of my will be done. I know with Pastor Anwar, he had to let go of absolutely everything in order to be able to get to that position where kings of nations would come and fall at their feet. Most of us experience a clash of wills somewhere. I'm right, you're wrong, my way, your way, whatever way. Interesting, one of the things I found this, a person's will is so strong that even a near death or even death experience itself will not even change it. I, I ran a couple of experiments. I, I talked subtly to a couple of people that had had near death experiences and just asked them a couple of questions. They were leading questions, kind of. But I wanted to find out if they still thought they were right about particular issues. And even getting that close to death. One of them even said, these, some of these, these are people that are actually, they're spiritual, they're, very, they're ministers. They're, but one of the things I asked them, I just asked them a question, just to find out if, if there's something had really shifted in their heart. But one of the things I discovered was this, that even a near-death experience, they still think they are right over issues. They even told me that they'd come to the end of themselves, but actually they behaved in another way. That tells me how strong a human will is, how fixed we can be on being right, how strong our will is, and how powerful and pertinent that statement that Jesus said is, thy will be done. Because most of us, whether we like it or not, you will find the area of our will is a hard one to let go of. If you're scrapping with somebody right now, that just proves the point. <laughs> Amazing that people can even get to death and still think they are right and still not change, still will not yield. That's how strong the human will is. The human will is so strong that it can bring people to extraordinary heights, 
but also cause extraordinary destruction at the same time. That is why to become a son, the first and foremost, it's not about coming to churches. I mean, that's part of the journey. But the big part is, will our heart be yielded to Jesus Christ? If we never get to that part, we'll never really embark on the journey, I believe. Because that there is the cornerstone. If that there is out of place, if we're still my will orientated, you'll find whatever you try and build on that will be crooked. And a master builder will be able to look at it from a distance and say, that's crooked. Even if they've got a few faults of their own, they'll still say it's crooked. Well, the tradesmen here will know exactly what I'm talking about. Somebody done a botched job and they think they know how to do it, but you've seen it. you can see it from a distance, a mile away. Jesus said this. In John chapter 12, he said, Most assuredly I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it rains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. Who who loves his life will lose it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for an eternal life. The word hate is probably the wrong translation there. The word hate translates into love less. In other words, if you reprioritize your life, that the, this life here takes a lesser priority than eternal life, you'll find it's a, it's a massive change of will. But when Jesus talks about how unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, so if it doesn't, it just remains by itself and produces no fruit. However, if it dies, and one of the things you'll find, he said, it'll produce a massive harvest. So what's the grain of wheat he's talking about? Let me assure you this. I believe him with all my heart. What he's talking about is it's the, it's the capacity of our will. Unless that part of our heart falls into the ground and yields up, you will find that we won't produce the harvest unless, we, unless a part of our life breaks. There is a process. There's a transformation process that God takes us through. And it's a painful one. It's a breaking one. One of the things about a grain of wheat you'll find is this. When it goes into the ground, it goes into an environment. And then the, then the, 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 um, the water and the elements of that environment will start to chew away and start to work on the outer core of the, of the grain of wheat. So let me assure you this. Whatever environment that you're in right now, potentially, it's quite possible that this... It is the work of God in your life trying to break down parts of your will. Maybe it's in the, in, the place of your, in, in the place of your work. This here is an environment. The whole point of this environment is to bring you to a place where you yield up to the Lord, where you give your heart, where you lay down your life, where you exchange your life for His life, where you yield your will unto His will. Not, thy, not my will be done. Lord, let your will be done in my life. It's a painful process. It's a painful journey. But the moment you start to break, the moment that you allow the Lord to break that part of your life, and I believe this, there's more than one breaking process. Bible says, let us take our back cross daily. This is what I believe, that every day I believe we have got to come to that place. Lord, there are things, there are desires that I want, but Lord, I submit my life to you. Lord, my life is not mine, but yours, use me. You'll find that breaks a whole bunch of contention over your life straight away, just like that. In doing so, your life opens up into a whole new field. The intention of our Father is to bring us into maturity. The reality is that most of us have parts of our personalities and makeups that are very unlike Christ. We're often blinded to these parts, completely blinded for years. 
The blindness often is so thick that we can hear a rebuke at one level from somebody close to us, but then turn a completely deaf ear at the same time. Stuck on my will. I just will not yield. I just will not hear. I just won't be open to change at all. You'll be surprised how many people we talk to, including myself. I'm just going to leave you on this one here. Jacob wrestled with God. All of his life, Jacob thought that Esau and Laban were his adversaries. Jacob and Esau, right from birth, contended, was fighting, was battling, battling this person, battling that person, battling his brother, battling the father-in-law. People here today, you've got got contention in your life. Maybe it's between you and your wife or your kids or your boss or there's contention. You're fighting something somewhere just to get ahead somewhere. People are doing that everywhere. In the church, I can see people fighting for position. I see people fighting for this, contending for this, contending for that, all trying to get ahead, all trying to make a name for themselves, all trying to say, this is the right way or this is the wrong way. You're the wrong way, this is the right way. Jacob was exactly the same. Then one day, he has a fight. He thinks his whole journey, he's fighting people. He'd struggled and contended to get ahead, to get the blessings he thought that other people were taking from him. I wonder, it says here that when in verse, in uh, Genesis chapter 32, in verse 24, when Jacob was left alone with him, and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. And when the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip. So his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Let me ask you the question, I wonder, I mean, first and foremost, got two dudes walking along and first conversation is, hey man, you want to fight? Okay. But this fight basically encapsulated Jacob's whole life. So they start to wrestle. They fought the whole night. And some of you guys play rugby and by the end of the first quarter, man, you're huffing, puffing. You think about playing a rugby game for the whole night, hard out, one on one. At what point what point do you discover in that fight? Is there ever a time in, your, in that fight where you start to think, who the heck am I fighting? Who is this guy? I mean, you have got to have some willpower to fight all night. At what point does Jacob suddenly get to the understanding that his whole life, he's not fighting people. He finds he's wrestling with God, but in fact, he's not even wrestling with God as such. He's actually contending with his own will. I mean, there's so much in there. We'll kind of get to the end of it anyway. But I wonder, with people here, the contention that you experience around your life, the contention that's going on inside of you right now, I wonder at what point we discover that actually it's not your wife, it's not your husband, it's not your daughter, it's not your goat, (laughs) it's not me, (laughs) it's not God, it's not even the devil, it's you, it's your own will, it's your own stubbornness, your unwillingness to yield. At some point, interesting, the man 
refers to the angel of the Lord. Even he couldn't overpower him. It tells me how strong the person's will is. In other words, our will is so strong that it can only be yielded up. It can't be taken from you. God even won't take your will from you. The only way that you can really truly enter into that space when Jacob finally yielded, when Jacob finally, it took him some pain, it took, it took a supernatural intervention to dislocate something inside of him before he started to realize and give up. What will it take for you to realize that maybe you are fighting God in your life? Maybe, it's, maybe God is wrestling with you to get you to a point to acknowledge something that you need to change in your own heart. It's not me, it's not the God, it's not the devil, it's not your wife, it's not your cat, it's not your boss, it's not your business, it's not the environment. It's you that needs to change. That point there is the pivot point of sonship. That's why sonship can't be taught. That's why you can't learn it off the internet. That's why you can't really learn it from a course. That's why you can't really download it. You can't really, oh, no, 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 no. The only way you can really start that journey is for a part of your heart to pivot and say, not my will, but your will be done. Every day, every day, I'm still learning that, I can assure you. I have learned it this week, I learned it the week before, and I learned it the week before that, and I kept learning it every week. This week, I'm going to learn it again in some place, that it's not my will, but it's your will. At some point, I'm going to have another clash with somebody somewhere, and I'm going to get the realization afterwards that maybe they aren't the enemy, maybe it's me. That's my journey of sonship. Jacob, from that point, no longer called Jacob the deceiver, became Israel today, the mightiest nation, the mightiest people group in the world today. I want to assure you today, it doesn't matter where you've come from, it doesn't matter your journey to this point, if you could yield up and make a decision every day, come Holy Spirit, I yield. I orientate my life towards you, to your plans and your purposes. I've got dreams, I've got history, I've got a whole bunch of stuff, but Lord, I give more to you today. I say, Lord, that you will come into my life. Lord, I lay down my life to you today. Lord, I put your priorities first. I put your interests first. Lord, I ask you to make something beautiful. Lord, as I yield my life to you, Lord, as I give you my pain, as I give you my misunderstandings, as I give you my, my hopes, my dreams, my desires, as I give them all to you, Lord, I trust that you know what to do with them, Lord, and that you will say and bring a transformation process in my life today. If this is ever an hour where God is calling sons and daughters to bring transformation to the earth, it is now. And it takes us every day to pivot. Not my will, but your will be done. Let me just pray for a couple of people. Can I pray for a couple of people? I know we're kind of there. Come, Holy Spirit. Come and just stand up to your feet and just lift your hands.
Spirit. The Spirit of truth come into our hearts afresh today. Forgive us for our selfishness, Lord. Lord, we yield up our, our will to you today, Father, today and every day, Lord. Transform our lives today, Lord. Make us, we pray. Lord, our nation needs sons and daughters that would, that would arise, but it requires us, Lord, to yield our will to you. So, Lord, we come and we make a decision to do that. Lord, I pray your hand of blessing upon people right now. I pray for those that are wrestling with the things of the past, where, things, where people are wrestling with alcohol, where people are wrestling in their marriages. I pray, Lord, for your presence to come. Lord, we touch our sockets, touch the way. Lord, even if we have to limp for the rest of our days, Lord, we will know, people will know that we've been touched by you, O oh Lord. Sharona, I don't know if you hear Sharona. Sharona, here's a word for, 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 from the Lord for you, just, just to encourage you. You have, you have, experienced, uh, you have experienced a struggle in your own life. You've experienced pain. You've, you've even known what it means to, to be rejected. I, I, I see, you know, you have struggled with, with rejection, but um, I can see there's a transformation process happening in your life. There's a transformation process happening in your life. There's a story of Jephthah. The Bible says that Jephthah was despised by his family and the people around him, and he had to run away. But in the process of his running away, there was a transformation change inside of his life. He, came, he, he, was, he left as a reject, but he came back as a warrior. Shona, I believe for you, there's going to be a restoration of honor. There's going to be a restoration of strength over your life. God is going to raise you up. You're going to be raised up in power in this nation. People that once rejected you will one day turn to you and your family. Joseph, I know right now, just the hand of God is upon your life. Just lift you up your hands. Lord, I pray right now, Lord, you're stirring his life again. I just see right now, Joseph, that um, even in this hour where God is just working in your heart, that there is there's a transformation process. There's, there's some things that you're having to let go. There's some things that you will wrestle with. But there is a day where you will arise again. And one of the things I saw you doing is this. I don't see you just playing and just leading worship, standing up on the stage here, but there is something about a prophetic sound. There is something about the song that you will sing. There is something about... Worship is not just about playing a few songs up here and people clap. No, it's not. It's about creating a sound that shuts people's hearts. Joseph, there is a sound inside of your life. The enemy's tried to squash it. But there is a strength inside of you far stronger than you ever thought. There is a gift upon your life that is far more powerful than you ever imagined. In this moment, this hour where you're coming and you're allowing the Lord to yield, you, to, 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 to transform your life, there will come a day where that seed will, be, will, will spring forth from the ground and will become a great harvest. At this point here, you are in the ground. There are things that God is removing off your life. But there is a day coming when the leaf will start to arise and it will come and produce a great harvest. Adam, I pray for you. Adam, there is a great call of God upon your life, but there is a contention for it. There is a contention for your heart. There is a contention for your heart. You are a good man. You are a great warrior. There is a contention for your heart. 
God is going to use you. He wants to use you powerfully. He has got a great plan for your life. He has protected you. He has cared for you. But there's a place in your life. There's a place in your heart. He wants to bring a transformation and a healing. He's doing that right now. May I encourage another man here today. I want to encourage you. Yield to him right now. Yield to his work. Don't try and fight it. Sure, there's misunderstanding. Sure, there's discouragements. But I want to tell you, the Lord has got so much for your life. So much for your life. I bless you today. I bless you today. I bless you in your journey. I bless you today. Your heart meditations, I bless you today. And your family, I bless you. And your coming and your going, I bless you. And your workplaces today, I bless you in the marketplace. May you arise into the fullness of what God has for your life. In Jesus' name, may you arise in the fullness. May you experience a great harvest today. In Jesus' name. Come on, let's worship him one more time. them this morning touch them bless them pray for them